Hello and welcome. My name is Tom. This is The Enthusiasm Project Season 10, Episode 8, and I can't wait to share a whole bunch of things with you that are great. So thank you for joining me. Today's episode, we're going to talk about a few different things, but one main uh, exciting slash anxiety fear inducing thing that I want to try and give a try, which is a good, it just sort of ended up being a good running theme with this season of episodes. So we're going to get to that. Before we get to that, though, I do have some follow-ups on last week's episode, the AV Help Desk, which was the very first time we've done an AV Help Desk episode, and it was really fun, and I appreciate all the feedback, most of which was quite positive about that episode. So that's something I would love to continue to do again in the future, especially because of the responses I'm going to share with you in just a moment, where people are trying to help out you know, some of the issues heard on the show, which is really, really cool, and I love that kind of like two-way street dynamic and ongoing conversation and all that. And before we get into any of that, as tradition dictates, we need to talk about gear. And I actually just switched gear, switched gears to use new gear right now before I started recording because I encountered a problem. So I went a little bit old school with a newer piece of gear. I am back after a while on the Roadcaster Pro 2. Haven't used it in a while because I've been using the Duo I'm working on my video about the Roadcaster Duo, and I really like it. Processing-wise, it's exactly the same. This is exactly what the quality would be like on the Duo. But, you know, the Roadcaster 2 is just already integrated into my desk. It's over there. And it's funny because they're both great. So, like, going to the Duo or going to the Roadcaster Pro 2 again feels like this massive thing. I have so many faders. The faders are super long. So when you, you know, you move the fader up and down on the channel, it feels like you have so much space and there's just everything just feels bigger and more spacious and it feels like luxurious. But then when you go to the duo, everything feels so small and compact and like fun and agile. And it's interesting that like they both definitely have their strengths and they're both fun. So when you switch from one to the other, it's like, you know, I'm looking at all the guitars on my wall and I like them all. So when I use one, I'm like, oh, this one's really cool because it feels this way. And then I pick up another one. It's like, this one's cool because it does this. It's sort of how the roadcasters feel, which is which is really cool. Uh, they're both awesome. So I'm on the Roadcaster Pro 2. I was going to use the SM7B today because I've been trying, not trying to, I've been rediscovering and wanting to rediscover my affinity for that mic because there's so many good things about it. But truth be told, I can't really get a sound out of it that I'm happy with, at least on my voice. And I'm a little confused by it because I used that as my main mic for quite a while and I really liked it. And maybe it's just because, I don't know, my tastes have changed or something, but it's not doing it for me anymore, at least on my voice. And I really wanted to, so I've been playing around with processing. And one thing I was experimenting with, which the experiment crashed and burned, was actually using a booster with the SM7B on the Rodecaster Pro 2, which you're not really supposed to do. And I know that. I have a whole video about this because Rode claimed... Oh, by the way, I'm using the Lewitt LCT240. I probably should mention what you are listening to me on. Uh, Rode claims that the preamps in the Rodecasters, the new ones, which actually now extends to the Rodecaster Pro 2, the Duo, and the Streamer X, those preamps are so good that if you were to add a booster for a microphone, you would actually be introducing noise to the signal. And I did a whole video about that where I tried that, especially with the SM7B, which is a very gain-hungry microphone. And when there's no processing turned on, 
I was able to run the SM7B at like 56, 57 decibels of gain on the Roadcaster. The Roadcaster 1 maxes out at 55, maybe 56 decibels of gain. So you kind of do usually need a boast, boost, a booster. You need to boast about using a booster with the SM7B on the original Roadcaster. And it works fine, but when you use a booster, it's a little bit of a pain. It's one more thing to put in your setup. It takes up a little bit of space. It costs more money to get a booster, of course. And the newer Roadcasters, you don't need them. And Rode was right because I was running the SM7B at 56 decibels a gain and then put in a booster, was able to cut the gain in half and go down to like 23 or so. And you could hear a little bit more, not much, it wasn't like a crazy amount, but you could hear just a little bit more hiss, a little bit more background noise in the signal with the booster. So it really solidified Rode's claims. However, I just haven't been able to dial in a sound that I really like with the SM7B. And one thing I've noticed is I really need to use the noise gate with it because it just, you are cranking the gain a lot to get, to get a signal. And I just need to use a noise gate. I wasn't really happy with how it was sounding. So I was trying to use a booster thinking maybe with processing, since you can use less gain, maybe the noise gate would work more effectively. And I kind of think it sort of was, but then maybe it was just, I don't know, my FET head or something. I was getting this like really annoying buzz that was showing up in my signal. So this is my help desk now. And I don't really know why I switched out my cables, switched out my boosters, and everything was fine. And I actually started recording some tests for this episode. Everything sounded great. And then just suddenly out of nowhere, it's just like the buzz a very electronic sounding buzz came back. So I got frustrated, said forget it, and just went with a mic that is easy to use and I know sounds great. So I pulled out the Lewitt LCT240 Pro, which is what you're listening to me on right now. And because I have that little Audio-Technica AT8459 adapter, it's this little ball mount joint adapter that is super sturdy and it can go on the end of a boom arm and it lets you position a microphone however you want it. So this microphone, which has a very specifically shaped shock mount that can make it sort of difficult to position exactly where you want it sometimes, now I can. If you watch my video about the Lewitt LCT240, I went into this for a while in that video, but now I can position it however I want it, which is nice. So it's like, oh, cool, I should maybe I should have just been using this because this is always one of my favorite sounding microphones. And anyway, that's the reason. It's on the Rodecaster Pro 2, just on the generic condenser setting, And this is the sound that we're getting and I'm quite happy with it. So I really, like, I really, there's something about the SM7B that it is such a nice, reliable microphone. And I love, I can't tell you how much I love the shock rejection. The fact that it picks up no sound when you accidentally bump it or move it or whatever. And it's just an easy mic to like set up and use. But I haven't been happy with the sound lately. And I don't know. I don't know why. I think there's a solution there. I think I just need to work with it and experiment more, but it's hard when it's like, well, I can just go grab a microphone that I I think is going to sound better on my voice in this environment right now. I'm just going to go grab that. But like, I want to use the 7B more. Anyway, as we are going through, uh, those are my, that's one of my tech troubles. I actually have another one that I'm going to follow up on in a second, but we should follow up on last week's episode first. If you missed last week's, I did an AV help desk, which was almost like a Q&A episode but I was asking for more like technical problems and trying to sort of deep dive into just a couple of problems instead of trying to answer as many like potentially random questions as possible. And it was really cool. We spent a huge chunk of the episode uh, with a problem that Drew was having with, he had 
done a client project and he had like used the roadcaster and some short mv7s to film like this podcast setup and for some reason everybody sounded like robots and it was very weird and the robot sound effect wasn't turned on and he had tested everything before and kind of dove into some of the we dove into some of the potential causes that i thought it might be some ways to handle you know those situations with clients along with some potential like emergency solutions using like adobe enhanced speech and stuff to try to fix broken audio Fortunately, I've gotten several responses of people who want to share info for Drew. So, Drew, I hope you're listening to this. Even if you've already figured out the problem, it might not even be a problem for you anymore. But maybe there's something in here that will be helpful. And it also just might be helpful for anyone else who has the same issue. Because clearly, Drew is not alone in this situation. So, I have a voice message and then two email. Well, a voice message, a message board post, and an email. So, all kinds of modes of communication. We're going to start with the voice message because that has the most potential for technical errors on my part. But this is a very interesting one that I think might make Drew feel a bit better. So this is from Ryan via SpeakPipe, which is just HiMyNameIsTom.com. Leave a voice message. You can do exactly what Ryan did here and and reply. So let's hear what Ryan has to say. What is it? Long time, first time? Ryan. Hey, Tom, my name's Ryan. I'm a longtime listener. And uh, ironically, I just listened to your uh, AV help desk episode and I had the exact same issue with my roadcaster yesterday with the robotic sound effect. I was recording using an LCT 440 Pure, which is the exact same microphone I'm using right now. And I got the same result. It recorded to the micro SD card with that robot sound and the sound that was output through the USB cable to StreamYard for recording, actually also had that sound. So I didn't get a good version of the recording in either case. So pretty frustrating. It's happened one other time. I've done probably 200 plus episodes and gosh, probably another 50 or 60 YouTube video shorts using this setup and various microphones. And I've only ever had it happen twice. And I have no clue what causes it. Um, someone just posted on one of the Facebook groups I'm in. They had the same problem yesterday as well. So I don't know what caused it. I powered down the Rodecaster one, powered it back up with the exact same mic, the exact same cable and the next recording, everything was fine. So, uh, just strange that less than 24 hours after having the same problem, you were talking about it on your show. Uh, as always, I appreciate the podcast and uh, look forward to it every week. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. The point Ryan brings up right now, I think, is such a good one for anyone dealing with tech issues because it can make you feel crazy sometimes. And so more than anything, I want Drew to just know that other people are having the exact same problem because not only did Ryan have it, but also like he mentioned people in his Facebook group and like it seems like it might be sort of a common thing. I haven't had that issue with my Rodecaster 1, but I also haven't used it in quite a while since I've had like the Rodecaster 2 and everything. And I haven't had that issue on the 2, but clearly there's something there. I could speculate all day about what it could possibly be, but I don't know if that's really going to be helpful because I don't have any answers. It would all just be sort of random thoughts and theories. But it is interesting that Ryan had the same problem. The timing is also crazy too because, you know, I was originally going to put that message in a past episode. And if I had done that, the timing wouldn't have lined up and Ryan wouldn't have had the problem that that was like the same problem. So I'm glad that it all worked out in terms of scheduling. But the... The thing there, I guess the solution, so the emergency solution is like Ryan said, he turned everything off, turned it back on, it was fine. So potentially 
that does explain why Drew was able to set up his whole thing the night before his shoot, test it all out, get great results, and then things sounded super weird when he was uh, actually trying to record the project. It makes sense that it could just change from one power on to another power on. I'm wondering, I don't remember if Drew said that if you restarted it or not while you were having this issue and it was still giving you the problem, but maybe if that happens again, just restarting everything is a solution. It's interesting that Ryan was having the problem both internally and externally through USB to StreamYard, so that that really does, I think, narrow it down to obviously a roadcaster problem, but we don't know what that would be. I'd be interested to know if if that's a thing. Like, does Road know about this? Is this a is this a well known issue or something documented? But the good news, I think, is finding out that other people are having the same problem because it at least means that like your specific unit isn't unique or doing something weird and it means you're not doing anything weird because lots of people are having the same problem i'm currently like i mentioned a minute ago editing my roadcaster duo video and final cut pro an application i've been using for 11 years in that 11 years i think has only actually crashed on me less than five times it is so i've talked about it on this podcast so many times how ridiculously reliable final cut pro is and that's one of the reasons i love it so much it now crashes, I think, in, since I've been trying to edit this video, it has probably crashed 30 times, and there was an update recently, and it's very annoying because sometimes it will just literally freeze and crash, but another thing that happens a lot is the viewer window where you play back your video, that image freezes on just a random frame, but the timeline is still working, so you can still play stuff, click on things, move around, but you just can't see any of it because the the actual viewer window is just frozen, you have to restart the app, so it's like every few minutes while editing this long, long in-depth video, I'm restarting the app. It's borderline unusable, and it's only happened since a recent update that came out last week. I think it's 10.6.7 or something like that. And I was really getting worried about, like, is something wrong with my computer? Do I need to, like, reinstall Final Cut, which is going to mess up all these plugins and things? And then found multiple threads about this same issue on Apple's own discussion boards, which there's no solution to it, so that that's a bummer. But the fact that so many people had the problem and were complaining about it, that at least is like, okay, it's not me. It's clearly a problem with this update. And hopefully it's something that will be addressed soon in a future update because right now it is not fun to be editing videos in Final Cut till they do that. I also made sure to turn off automatic updates so that way I don't accidentally find myself in this situation again. But it did make me feel better. The moral of the story is it made me feel better to know that I wasn't alone in having that issue. So again, Ryan, thank you for the voice message. A couple other follow-ups on Drew's stuff. Next one is from the new message board that I put together for channel supporters for Patreon and YouTube channel memberships. So if you have any, if you are a member of either of those things and you haven't joined the message board, you can just go to HiMyNameIsTom.com, click forum right at the top. And if you want to join an old school PHP, no data tracking, super low tech, but really fun message board. You can join Patreon. That's the easiest way to support the podcast or YouTube channel memberships. You get the name at the end of the video and all that stuff. And uh, Gil posted on there about Drew's bad audio, which is funny for anyone who didn't listen to the episode because the title just says AV help desk Drew's bad audio, which almost sounds like Drew was on the show and had bad audio, but it's funny. Anyway, um, Gil made a post I don't think Drew has seen this yet. So Gil said, hey, Drew, I think it's just a bad cable. Sometimes when I'm recording a podcast for a client, the XLR cables connector gets loose and causes that weird noise. It usually happens with cheap cables like Amazon Basics. 
When this happens to me, I swap out the cables. If I didn't have a spare cable, fastening the ends of the cable helps too. I hope that helps. Good luck on your next venture. Also, the Rodecaster Pro 1 was super weird in the most odd ways. Sometimes on a production shoot, channel 1 would stop working and only channel 3 and 4 would be okay. Side note from Tom, I had heard multiple people say that. I think that was like a known issue. I never had it, but I've heard about that. Uh, Gilk went on to say, when I got my Rodecaster Pro 2, it also had weird sound pad issues and sometimes wasn't working. It actually stopped working while I was recording a client's podcast. Luckily, I had the Rodecaster 1 handy. Technology be weird sometimes. Indeed, it do be weird sometimes. So uh, Gil was saying potentially a cable because cables do weird things and it could be. So it's always something worth checking out. But what's funny with that, though, is the email. The next message I got follow up is an email from Carrie who says, hey, Tom, this is regarding the weird interference Drew was having. I can't answer exactly what it is, but I can tell you I've experienced this quite a few times with my Line 6 UX2 interface. I don't think it's a faulty cable. I think it has to do with the digital processing in the interface and possibly a combination of that and Windows accepting the signal. It will happen randomly, and the only way i found to fix it is to change the mic audio source in Windows, restart my PC, and then change back to my interface. I don't think anything is wrong with his hardware. So this is almost like a hybrid of the other two responses. It's just funny because Gil was like, I think it's the cable. And Gary's like, I don't think it's the cable. And that shows you how hard it is to troubleshoot things sometimes because both things, I I don't know what it is, but you got to explore every option, right? And so what Carrie's pointing out here, though, is interesting because it involves not a roadcaster, having the same problem with a different interface and then having it be something to do with the digital processing or the digital signal going in and out, something like that, which would make sense with Ryan's message about restarting the roadcaster, fixing it because then you're restarting whatever processing is happening. In this case, also, you know, restarting a computer or re-adding an interface, fixing it. It just seems like something's getting buggy and weird (laughs) and then restarting it might help, which is still scary though if you do client work because you need... You need to know that when you turn on your stuff and you use it, it's going to work. And you need to have a solid, you know, in those weird cases when something goes wrong, you need to make sure that you know there's a clear way to fix it. So I really appreciate Ryan, Gil, and Carrie for sending in follow-up info. Um, Super helpful. Drew, if you want to let us know if you have any updates, if you've done any science experiments and you've figured out this issue or you've, um, maybe you've, you've, I don't know, had it happen again or something, Please keep us updated. That was super fun. And I would love to I would love to find a solution to this because clearly many people are having a problem, but also I'd love to do more help desk episodes where we can where we can figure that out. And then I have one more issue myself, which I think might be taken care of, but I'm maybe I need I need some extra help. And mine has to do with a camera lens. My Sony 24mm f1.4 G Master lens, which is a very expensive, like a $1,500 camera lens. It's one of Sony's best. It's my main camera lens. I absolutely love it. I take super good care of it. It's pretty much just lived in my studio. I've taken it, I've taken it out places, you know, many times, but it's never been abused. It's never been dropped or beat up or put in weird weather or anything. Most of its life has lived in an indoor climate controlled studio space. And I don't, I think the last time I took it out, out anywhere was, I don't know, six or seven months ago. Like it has just been a studio lens. A couple of weeks ago, I did a live stream on the Audio Hotline channel, and that was super fun. And I used that lens, and it worked great. That was on a Friday night. We streamed for like two hours. Everything was awesome. Turned off my camera. 
Monday morning, came back in to start working on some stuff, turned on the camera, and the lens's focus had just totally died. I It made no sense to me. Autofocus wasn't working when I switched. Well, I noticed the weird thing was when I turned on the camera, it took forever for the camera for my FX3 to boot up. Like it, it turned on for a second. I could see the... I couldn't see a picture, but I could see logos on the screen, not logos, but the icons and all the info, the display info on the screen. Then it turned off for like a while and then it turned back on and I could see an image, but I couldn't change the focus point. I couldn't do autofocus. Even if I switched the lens to manual focus and turned the focus ring, the focus point wouldn't change. Like I could not get the lens to focus. It was just stuck at whatever it happened to be focused on, which is very weird. And so I put a different lens on my camera and it worked fine. Camera booted up really quick. Autofocus worked great. So I thought, okay, that seems to narrow it down to the lens and not the camera. So then I tried this same thing on my a7S3 and a7 IV and had the same results. That was three different cameras with three different firmwares running. And the 24 millimeter lens did that same weird thing with no focus on all of them, while other lenses worked perfect on all of them. So clearly it's a lens issue which is super weird that like the super expensive lens, the focus would just randomly die for no reason. I, I tried everything. I tried checking the lens, cleaning the contacts, you know, the little contacts that touch the camera. If there's happens to be dust or, or something on them, maybe it would mess things up. And it, it didn't though. And it's weird too that then switching the physical switch to manual focus still won't let me focus the lens. Uh, I know it's not... It's a fly-by-wire, focus-by-wire, not fly-by-wire, focus-by-wire lens. Um, So it's not just an old-school mechanically focusing lens. But anyway, kind of a bummer because I can't use that lens at all right now. And yeah, so I've reached out to Sony, and I think they're going to let me send it in to see what's up. It's out of warranty because it's just over two years old. But again, it's it's been totally babied. It's not, it's in 10 out of 10 physical condition. Like it is not a messed up lens in any way. It just randomly died. And I'm a little nervous because if you've ever done camera or lens repairs, it wouldn't surprise me to fix this if it costs like $800 or $900 to fix a $1,500 lens, which is just stupid. But maybe what I'm hoping for right now is that Sony might like recognize it. Maybe it is a manufacturer's defect or a known problem and they'll take care of it. So uh, hoping to hear back from them. I've talked to them a little bit and hopefully I can send that in this week and then see what's happening there. But if anyone has had a similar issue with the Sony lens and you found a way to fix it or you know what causes it, that would be awesome because I would love to have it fixed and I would love to not have this problem again. Fortunately, the reason I'm not totally panicked is because I still have my Sigma 24 millimeter lens from my Canon mount Sigma lens that I used before I got my Sony cameras. I have a Sigma adapter so I can use it with my Sony cameras and it has autofocus. The downside is with that lens, the image quality is phenomenal, but I lose my focus breathing compensation, which I love. So now you have focus breathing again, which I was finally rid of. And the autofocus is so insanely loud. It just clicks like, it's so That's exactly what it sounds like, that wonderful impression I just did. So um, it makes it really tough to like use boom microphone. It makes it tough to use any mic that's positioned far away because it's like going to pick up the focus sound. So it's like I almost need while I'm using that lens to use mics on boom arms in front of my face because otherwise you're going to hear the autofocus sound. It's not the end of the world, but it's 
it's uh compared to the sony lens which is dead silent you could put you can't hear the autofocus you put a mic right next to it it won't pick anything up uh it's a little bit frustrating so anyway open to any suggestions on that if anyone has any help i would uh love to have it and then the last thing which i meant to share a while ago and totally forgot was speaking of gear and help and recommendations and all that kind of stuff i put together a thing on my website a while ago which seems simple but was like surprisingly difficult i wanted to put together a collection of equipment recommendations because that's one of the most common questions i get is like what gear do i need for x application like i want to do a podcast i want to make youtube videos i want to do interviews client stuff whatever so if you go if you're looking for gear i should say if you have what you have you don't need this but if you go to my website if you go to hi my name is tom.com and then click on gear there's two little tabs that pop up. One of them says what I use, which is just a list. It took so long to make this at a Squarespace website, but it's a list of all all of, it's very comprehensive. It might not be every piece of gear, but it's like 95% of the gear that I use with explanations about why I use each thing. So if you want to know that stuff, it's there. But then there's also a tab that says recommended setups. And if you go there, I have six current setups. I can add more to this as well, but I have a, Um, A recommended setup for basic video for a one-person podcast, a two-to-four-person podcast, a video podcast or multi-cam setup, uh, simple lighting, and computers and software. So all of those things to kind of get you started. Or if you don't want to answer the question for somebody else because people go like, oh, I like what you do. How? What do I need to get started? And you're like, I don't want to explain all this. You could just send them here (laughs) um, and it will help. So I have each setup has... Uh, equipment with explanations and prices. So like the basic video setup, keeping in mind this is for someone going beyond like just using their phone, is about $1,900. The one-person audio podcast, $280. Two to four-person podcast, $1,300 to $3,400. Like I try to put prices. I try to put specific gear. Um, it's something that I've been keeping updated. And it's it's a cool resource that seems so simple, but putting together these setup recommendations, I also try to be like really thorough and include stuff like memory cards, HDMI cables, adapters, like all of the little things, sandbags, stuff that people don't think of. You know, you you order a setup, someone's like, oh, I want to get a new camera and a new whatever, and they order all that stuff, and then they forgot to get extra batteries or memory cards or a tripod or what kind of cable they need or something. So I tried to take care of all that where it literally is like almost like a menu at a restaurant. You're like, okay, I would like the two to four person podcast setup, please. And it's just boom, there's everything you need right there um, with links and recommendations and the whole deal. So uh, check that out if you're interested or if you need, if you're looking for a setup or if you know someone who is and you you don't want to have to be their personal IT help desk person, you can just send them there to help them out. So That, I think, uh, brings us to the topic of today's show, which I don't have a graceful way to transition to this because now we're talking about YouTube a little bit. Being back, time freaking flies. It's been like a month now almost of coming back from my sabbatical, my vacation from YouTube. And I can't tell, I haven't been paying attention to numbers as nearly as much as I used to at all, which has been really nice. But, you know, I glance in and I see the numbers and I can't tell if it's just the typical summer lull because I know if you're on YouTube, especially in like the camera, photo, videos, vaguely tech niche, summertime is usually slow. Like that's not when your best performing stuff happens. That's not when your revenue is the highest or anything like that. 
I think that's pretty normal. But I can't tell, you know, it's always scary. I can't tell if what I'm seeing is the summer lull or if it's like a death spiral. And it's a little scary. But I don't want to lose the, the like, the feeling, the revitalization, rejuvenation, refocus on creativity and artistic intent and all that stuff that I've been focusing so much on over, you know, over the past couple of months that I don't want that to, you know, be too much of a deterrent. And so I've been trying to think of, okay, well, what are some ways we can look at this and not fix it? Like, oh, we just got to get as many views as possible. But like, okay, here's a problem. If I just keep doing the same thing I'm always doing, I'm going to probably get the same results. So what could we switch it up? And I'm very scared about this one because it seems like a big one. But after six years, I think, (laughs) I think I'm ready to break my weekly upload streak on YouTube. So since I started my channel in 2017, every single week since then, there has been at least one video upload to the channel nonstop. And uh, that is, there's kind of a point of pride in that. It's sort of a pointless streak. Like it means nothing, but it's also like six years of a streak is kind of cool. And I would sort of like to keep that going. But it also, I'm realizing it might be something I don't need anymore. And I think that's kind of interesting because one of the biggest questions that people have when it comes to YouTube a lot is, what does it mean to be consistent? Do I need a regular upload schedule? And a lot of times the answer is, yes, you do. I have said that. I have thought that for a long time. And I I still don't know how I feel about it. So I'm definitely not approaching this from like, here's my YouTube strategy and what, what you need to succeed on YouTube quarter three, 2023 or whatever. I'm just telling you my experience and how I feel. And what I hope is that there's something in there that's helpful for you even if it means, even if it convinces you to do the exact opposite of what I'm doing, like you're like, oh, Tom's idea is so bad. I want to make sure that I do the opposite of what he's doing because his idea is terrible, which is, that's completely fine. So uh, let me give you a little history on this. The thing about having a, a regular upload schedule is it's such a good way to help you make things regularly. I know that sounds pretty basic, but when you when you have the like I post whenever I want to post kind of thing, it sounds really nice, but it becomes very easy, especially when you're just starting out, to kind of push things off. You know, in my case, if this is my full time job, it's a little less difficult or a little less easy to. Well, this is a Freudian slip. It's a little less easy to to just push things off like that. But when you're just starting out and you have your whole life and and probably you know a full time job and family and all this stuff and you don't have a dedicated schedule of making whatever it is that you're making, it becomes very easy to go, yeah, I'll just, next week I'll make something. Not next week, and then months go by, or even a year or two goes by and you haven't made anything. I was definitely in that for a long time myself prior to like starting the channel. And when I started my channel, I, you know, I started, I just posted some stuff that was just sort of for fun. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. There was no strategy behind it. It just sort of happened that like, ah, like once or twice a week, I'm posting something. And then I jumped in and did 30 videos in 30 days. Uh, So I had like, I think I did like eight videos and then I did 30 videos in 30 days. And from then on, that was in fall of 2017 at that point. And from then on, I did at least a video a week, every week. 
until right now. <laughs> um, you know, like a video came out last week. I do have one scheduled for this upcoming week that I'm not sure. I actually don't think it's going to come out there. So it's it's a little scary. I really like the weekly thing because it going from the daily, that 30 videos in 30 days, that was exhausting, as creatively fun and like exciting as that was. By the time I was done, I was like, woof, having a whole week to make a video. What a luxury. And it seems it's good, you know, general, it's good for a channel, right? You're building a channel, you're making something. It's kind of important that stuff comes out regularly. It's hard for people, an audience, to connect with something if it's like, what am I getting? You know, one video a month, two videos a year, five videos a week. Like, I don't know. It's kind of nice if something is regular and consistent for people. So what I was doing then, this would have been from fall of 2017 to summer of 2018 was I made Tuesday my upload day. And I did a video every Tuesday. And originally my thought was, I'll do, you know, I'll have a whole week. I've been making one video a day for 30 days. Now I have a whole week to work on a video. How much better could that video be? What ended up happening was I would just make my Tuesday videos on Monday afternoon. Like I would still do, I would still make a video in one day. I would just wait. I'd wait six days to make the video because life, right? Life is hard. And so there were a couple times where maybe I did something that was like a little bigger or a little more, I shouldn't say bigger, but a little, I put more time into it. And that was cool, but it really wasn't that much. It was still kind of like, I'm still doing a video in one day. I'm just doing that one day less often. And then after I had done that, by the, the, the following summer, the summer of 2018, I was getting really stressed out from that more than I realized. I thought I was, uh, I thought my job was making me feel stressed and have like negative health effects of stress and all this stuff, but it wasn't. It was the YouTube channel, the thing that I, I viewed as a source of fun and like revitalization and energy turned out to be a thing that really, really stressed me out. And, you know, I was adding in this extra commitment on top of a very busy, more than full-time work schedule. And it just kind of broke, like it just sort of broke my brain in a big way. And so in summer of 2018, I decided like, okay, I don't want to feed the platform. I don't want to work for the platform. I want the platform to work for me. And that means I'm going to upload videos whenever I want. So when a video is done, I'll upload it whenever that happens to be. And I did that for a year till the summer of 2019. But what I didn't really admit to myself was I was still on a weekly schedule. So even though there wasn't a specific day, there was never more than seven days that went by without a video. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you get excited, you just make a bunch of stuff. So it's two or three videos in a week or whatever. But there was never more than a seven day stretch between videos. And I didn't, I just kept kind of, I was in denial and sort of told myself like, that's just what's happening. I just, I just kind of happened to be finishing videos on a week, but I knew there was a part of me that was kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to not upload a video in a week. I don't want to not, it's not even breaking a streak. At that point, it was just like, I think it would be really bad for my channel. And it was hard to argue because the channel was growing. That was, you know, it just felt like that was the right thing to do. And so after doing it that way for a year, I was starting to feel that stress creeping back in. And so it was summer of 2019, now four years ago now, which is crazy that 2019 was four years ago. But it was that summer that I then decided to start scheduling stuff out in advance to kind of go, okay, 
I want some freedom and some like wiggle room in my schedule, but I want to have a consistent, I want to have a, you know, a consistent upload time. And so that's when I picked Thursdays, I made some extra videos and we, you know, it took a lot of extra work. I kind of glossed over that making quote unquote extra videos is a lot of work. So, you know, it's like you're, you're working really hard to build this savings account. And then that way, since then to this day, well, up until last week, basically, I've always had somewhere between two to five videos finished and scheduled in YouTube studio, which has been, has been great. And that's kind of was like, I sort of thought I cracked the code and that has been, if you're somebody who wants a consistency, I still think that it's a valuable tool. It might not be the tool that I need anymore right now. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I still think it was really valuable because doing that let things be consistent, you know, having more than just one video scheduled, having a couple videos scheduled out means that if something happened, I needed to go out of town, I was sick, I was busy working on whatever, I could essentially go a week without having to make a video and the videos would still come out. Like there were all kinds of times when stuff happened and things got crazy and no one, no one who just watches a channel would ever really know because everything just kept going. The machine you know, could maintain itself for that amount of time. There was always a little bit of stress then. Like if I did that, it was like I dipped into the savings account and now I have to work extra hard to kind of build it back up again. But it really did, it it let me have that regular schedule that I wanted without all of the stress that I was feeling in that first year where I was like, I had no videos scheduled or anything, but I had a, a upload schedule. And I switched the date from Tuesdays to Thursdays because especially while I was working it sort of meant I didn't have to spend the whole weekend making a video, which is what happened when I did it on Tuesday. I would like drag myself through the work week, spend all weekend trying to like work on a video or something, especially if I, I know I said I did it in a day. Well, I'm having like weird flashbacks. <laughs> I'm like so inconsistent here. I remember I would film a lot on the weekends. Maybe I would spend a day, but it'd be a weekend day. And then I think Monday night I would stress out about like getting it all scheduled and finishing it thumbnail and all that kind of stuff. And then I would put it, I don't know, it maybe it changed from video to video. I'm just remembering all this right now. So pardon me if there are like inconsistencies there. But I remember just feeling a little overwhelmed. And by switching to Thursday, it was like, okay, I could work a little bit on the weekend. I could work on like editing after work during the week. And then by Thursday, Wednesday night or Thursday, I would have something done. So usually I would end up finishing a video on like Wednesday I would upload that video, but it's not the one that would come out on Thursday. It would just sort of go into the back of the queue and then another video would come out. And that's usually how things would work. And then even when I left my job and started doing YouTube full time, I just sort of kept that same schedule of, I sort of kept that same schedule. And that was kind of been my goal every week is like by Thursday, I just want to have a new video uploaded. So when one goes out, a new one has gone in and then the machine keeps going. And that has been hugely helpful. And it I think it did play a role in helping the channel to grow and to bring some stability. But now what I've been looking at is, okay, things aren't performing all that well. So either this this whole scheduling thing that I put together is like the, the one support that's holding everything up, which is sort of scary, or it's actually having no effect at all. And it's just, it's not necessarily as relevant anymore Keeping in mind that like the channel has, you know, 460 videos on it, a decent sized you know, audience base, uh, history, like it's a very different situation than it was in 2017 or 2019. Like the channel is in a different place. So it makes sense to look at it a little bit differently. 
And what I've been feeling is that I, I didn't haven't realized until very recently that I think that weekly schedule is sort of making me feel a little bit limited. Creatively, it's been making me feel a little bit stressed in terms of time because I just, I'm always, you know, I've, there's always something that has to be done. And if I can, if I ever get a video finished by like a Tuesday of a week, I just feel like, oh my gosh, yay, like I did it, everything's great. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't get a video to finish till Friday of that week. And even though it's not scheduled, then I feel terrible. And then the thing I always tell myself is like, well, you have your normal videos you're working on, and then you have these other ideas that might be, you know, a little different or take a little more effort. And you can just always be working on those in the background. And I've never done that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't necessarily want to make a whole bunch of like crazy, you know, like I'm not trying to make a feature film or anything, but something I admire in a lot of my favorite channels are that a lot of the creators, they really don't seem to have a regular schedule. They're just always working on something. And there's something about that that's really appealing to me. And I've seen people, I, I'm thinking of channels like Super Eyepatch Wolf, Cathode Ray Dude, um, a lot of the commentary channels I like, like Eddie Burback or Drew Gooden or Danny Gonzalez, a lot of them, they they seem like they're always working on something. But sometimes it takes a month or three to finish like one simple idea. And when they're working on an idea, it's almost like that is, it, it like becomes sort of a driving project for everything else. And it just takes as long as it takes. And whatever that, you know, I'm sure if you talk to them, there might be some more complexities that I, I don't know them. I don't know the behind the scenes of any of those types of channels. But from the outside, or at least it's giving me an idea of like, hey, what if you're just always working on something and when it's done, it's done. And that means the thing that you're making isn't being made with any of these kind of sort of um, not artificial, but kind of artificial constraints. Like there's no reason that it has to be at this time. The number of times I've finished a video and I'm like, I can't wait for people to see this. And then I get kind of bummed out that it's not going to be scheduled for like two or three more weeks. And I'm like, oh, why do you, I have to do that to myself? Why couldn't I just put that out like right away? So I don't, I've not done that before, but I'm going to try that right now. So that's, that's a thing I'm going to try to just see what it does to see how it feels to create stuff without a time constraint, which I have never done. And I think it's, I honestly think it's going to be harder than doing the whole sabbatical and not checking numbers and all that. I honestly think not let going more than a week without something being uploaded on the channel is going to be the, like the scariest thing uh, that I've done so far on my channel. But I just want to always be working on something is kind of the key. And I was really freaking out about this the other day. And then Heather had an idea where she was like, okay, let's, let's see what, what you actually want to do. So her idea, which was turned out to be kind of amazing was we cut up a hundred pieces, little tiny pieces of paper, well, not little tiny, but small slips of paper. And we each took 50 of them and we just each wrote down 50 video ideas for my channel, uh, which is the other boxes over here, right to my side here. So Ultimately, ended up with 100 ideas. It took a couple hours to go through all of that. And then we went through and we each read each other's. So, like, I picked one of hers out of a box and read her idea. She would explain it. She'd read one of mine. i explain it. And there weren't really any that were clear no's. So I ended up with two boxes. One was a box of, like, yes, like, I want to make this video right now. And the other was, like, the 
it's not the maybe box, but it's the like needs more. It's like a jumping off point. So here's an idea. This idea is really cool, but it's going to, it needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. It needs a little more research. It's going to take some production and some planning. And now I have like a hundred ideas for videos most of which are not related to any specific product or anything timely or anything like that. So it's like I could, you know, I could make some of these next summer if I wanted to. And this is all just what's happened right now, not taking into account who knows what's going to happen in a month or two. You get a, you know, a new idea pops up, you want to do something else. So it's like, here's all these really cool ideas. Some of them are relatively simple and shouldn't take that long to make. Some of them are really complex and might take quite a while to make. Instead of trying to take all these and fit them into this, like, well, you have to have the video by Thursday, but, you know, like, you have this whole other schedule, and then, God forbid, you get sick, or, you know, you need to go visit family out of town or something, and now your schedule has been cut in half, what are you going to do? Like, just none of that. Just always be working on something. And if I don't know what to do, just grab something out of the box and work on it. We ended up doing the same thing for Heather And now she has like a hundred ideas for her channel as well, including some, you know, a decent handful of like immediate, yes, I want to make this video right now videos. Um, I think a reason that that activity really worked was because we know each other. So I had the idea, I was like, this is something that's super cool. Like this could be a thing people do at like conferences and stuff because it was so awesome. It was fun. We were like eating snacks and like, it was a really fun time to make those ideas but it worked because even even though some of them were kind of ridiculous, because it's not that hard to come up with five or six ideas, but by idea 46, you're getting kind of weird and you're getting a little experimental. And so that was kind of cool. Like, get all the easy stuff out and then what are you going to come up with? What What pops up? And then sometimes we would come up with the same idea for something. So it was like, wow, if we both had this idea, that might be something worth looking into. But we also knew especially when we were coming up with ideas for each other's channels, we knew like what just wouldn't make any sense. Like, you know, if you're like, Hey Tom, make a Mr. Beast. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to make that style of video. I don't want to do that at all. So, you know, or or do something crazy, like go do a crazy 3am challenge. No, not interested. You know, like we kind of knew, even if we're pushing the envelope or getting weird with an idea, we sort of knew some general boundaries of each other. And so I think that if you were going to do this idea, I think it works if you're doing the idea with somebody that you know and that knows you and kind of your overall creative goals and then can experiment within that rather than just like, here's a whole bunch of random stuff that you'll never do because it was ideas given to you by a stranger who has no idea who you are, what you value, what you care about, what your process is or anything like that. So anyway, point being felt really good to have all these ideas and then to think like, okay, what if I'm not trying to take these new fun ideas and shove them into this existing framework that I've built? What if, just like we did with other stuff, what if we kind of step back? It doesn't mean that anything is wrong. And that's kind of what I want to emphasize. It doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. I'm not like, oh my God, I was an idiot. You don't need a regular consistent schedule. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. I think it was, it played a huge role in helping my channel to grow. It played a huge role in building discipline for me as a creator, it it has been a hugely positive thing. I just think that at this point in time, it's something that's worth seeing if I still need it for right now. It could be something that in the future is like, hey, yeah, that's definitely something I absolutely need. Or it could turn out to be something that just, you know, things have evolved past the point of me needing it specifically. So I'm definitely not saying like, you should or you should not have a regular thing. And 
or whatever it might be. It's just sort of like, this feels like a pretty big 180 for me. And I want to dive into explaining that and, and whatnot. I was talking to Peter, my friend, Peter Lindgren about this last week too. And of course he was like, I think you should definitely not have a schedule. The worst thing you could do is have an upload schedule, which made me feel better. But what he was saying is he's like, people often mistake consistency with an upload schedule because it's so easy to see. Like, look, every Thursday, here's a new video coming out. That is very consistent. And he was like, I, at least for him, he said his idea of consistency was to be consistently creating something. So it's kind of like I said, maybe you spend a week on a video or a day or three months. That's going to come out, you know, like someone who's looking at your channel, as it might be, would see a video once a month, once every three months, three times a week, whatever. On your side of things, you're never not, you know, working on something, exploring something, but you're not bound by this pressure of a schedule, especially in this case, it's something I put on myself. So all those times that I felt like, oh my gosh, I got to rush, I got to get this out. There's no boss. There's no, <laughs> there's no contract. There's no anything that says you have to do this. It's just me putting that pressure on myself to do this. And I'm, I just realized that maybe I don't really need to do that. And even though I've tried to break away from that schedule in the, or from that idea in the past, like back in 2018, I never really fully did because I never actually was confident enough to try to break away from a weekly upload schedule. And truthfully, with the size of the channel at the time and just the, I don't know what you call it, the ecosystem, the way YouTube was at that time, I don't know that it would have been a good idea. I think maybe uh, the regular thing actually was very, very helpful and very, very smart, but I never really gave it like the full try. And I never, I didn't have the creative confidence to explore it the way I wanted to. And I think now is a good time to do that. I think if, if the channel was like, you know, performing like through the roof, every video's on the trending page, I'm just sleeping on piles of money over here, you know, like most YouTubers do. I think if it were, if it were performing that way, it would be very scared to take a chance, but because it's kind of like, you know, maybe it's the summer lull, maybe it's a sign of something else. It's a good time to try something new because it's almost like, what are you going to, what's it going to perform worse? Like maybe, but that'd be almost kind of difficult at this point. So where I'm at right now, I do still have one video uh, that is scheduled that has just been scheduled and I'm working on my Rodecaster Duo video. I'm recording this on a Saturday. This episode will come out on a Monday. So two days ago on Thursday, a video came out, like a scheduled video. And I think that's going to be the last scheduled one. I'm working on the Roadcaster Duo video, which I'm really excited about. Um, I like the approach that I took on it. I think it's a little bit different than most. I haven't watched any Roadcaster Duo reviews yet because I don't want to be influenced by anybody else's approach or opinions or anything. But it's definitely different than the way I've approached this subject in the past because the Duo is the same thing as the Roadcaster Pro 2. So if I just talk about the features and stuff, it's like, I've already made that. I have a whole playlist of videos that just apply to the Roadcaster Duo. Just know that it has two instead of four inputs and you're done. Like it's kind of the same thing otherwise for the most part. So I wanted to sort of take a different direction with the stuff that I talked about and explained in the video and then with this, just the overall style of the video, kind of having some creative fun with it. And so I'm really excited about it. And especially now with Final Cut crashing constantly after this update, it's I can kind of only work through chunks at a time before I get frustrated to the point of like, 
let's just let the computer sit for a minute. So that should hopefully be done sometime in the next couple of days-ish, maybe. And then I think when that video's done, I'm just going to publish it when it's done. And I don't know when that will be, but if that's in the morning, if that's in an evening, if that's a random day of the week, maybe that won't even be this week. Maybe that'll be next week. I don't know. When the video is done, I think I'm going to publish it. I think I'm going to unschedule the last remaining video that's scheduled because it's sort of, it's a video about audio processing. It's something that could go up at any point in time. It's not like tied to any current events or anything. It's very, I think the term is evergreen, as they say. So that video is there. I think I'll publish the Roadcaster video. And then, however, when that kind of fizzles out, then I think I'll publish the other video just whenever that is or whatever else I happen to be working on. Because that's also a thing that I've noticed, like, you know, over the past year, I've had a couple videos that I thought did exceptionally well. Like uh, the video we did about the Blue Yeti, about camcorders, uh, the Roadcaster video. I've had a couple videos that performed way better than typical. And while I know that's not the metric for everything when it comes to success, something I think that was sort of silly was like, okay, I'm going to post this video. Wow, that video is taking off more than most of your video, more than any of your videos ever had in some cases. Anyway, here's the next one, the next Thursday, just because it's Thursday and you have to publish a video. I kind of feel like I might have killed the momentum that some of these other things had and that you know, not trying to be like Mr. YouTube analytics strategy, but just like, hey, this thing's doing really well. Maybe you don't need to push anything out right now. Like let this thing, just let it have its moment. Let it breathe, let it do its thing. And then when that starts to wane, then you can put out the next thing. And so I think that's what I'm gonna do now is put out the Roadcaster Duo video because I'm really excited about it. Whenever it's finished, put that out, see how it, how it goes, let it have its time to breathe. And then since I have another video ready to go, once it feels like that duo video has, you know, however long that is, whatever it means, how, once it feels like it's had its time to breathe, hopefully take a very big breath, then publish, you know, the, the video that's already sitting there. And then just, it's kind of whenever, whenever video's ready, just, just always be working on something. I'm finally, finally going to be making the video about the Canon XL1 that I've been talking about for like three years at this point. Um, I'm really excited about that one. So that'll probably be the next thing that I'm working on. I have no idea, though, how long that will take. So this is going to be a little bit scary. If you're and, and a good a big reason I want to do a podcast episode about it, too, was because I was asking Heather, like, is this something I should tell people? Like, should I make a post that's like, hey, I'm changing my schedule? Usually I'm not a fan of that kind of thing. But in this case, it has been many years of something very consistent. Something that I do value a lot is that people have told me, like, they look forward to Thursdays, like they always play one of my videos when they're eating lunch or something. And it's, I think about that and that means a lot to me. And that's something that makes me want to keep, you know, I, I really love that. And that's something that's valuable and important and that I care about. And it's a scary thing to, to think of just going like, well, maybe not going to be doing it that way anymore. And Heather was like, no, no, you don't need to tell, you just do it. You don't need to tell anybody And I kind of figured most of the people who care that much are also people who listen to this podcast. So by me explaining the episode, not only do I get to let everyone know what's happening, but I can go into a lot more depth about the whys behind it, not just because, uh, not because I have any answers, but just sort of, 
knowing that a lot of people listen to this who also make stuff, it's just sometimes nice to hear what other people think and what other people do. And you can sort of, you know, hopefully cherry pick a couple of helpful things from that. That's kind of always my goal, right? Like I don't have any answers. I don't have any clear cut ideas or strategy, but it's like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm doing. Take whatever part of that is helpful to you and apply it. Like I said before, even if that means you end up doing the exact opposite of what I'm doing. So uh, I'm very scared. But don't panic if you don't see a video come out on Thursday this week. Don't And don't freak out if you see a video come out a random day at a random time. <laughs> Promise everything's okay. And I'm actually quite excited. Aside from the nerves of like, oh my God, I don't want to, I don't want to destroy the, the algorithm and the YouTube-ness of it all. The excitement of being able to just put as much creative time and attention into something as possible is, is pretty great. One thing I have learned to do over the past, I would say 18 months or so, is to really sort of spread out my workflow so I don't do the thing where even though I have a weekly video, I spend one day on the video. I really have been spreading it out like, you know, pre-production and planning takes up a day or two. The filming part takes up a whole day. Editing takes up several days. And I've noticed that I've been so much happier with the stuff that I've made when I've sort of let it let it breathe creatively like that. Like instead of even when I can see the light at the end of the tunnel while I'm editing and it's like, you know what, if I just kind of worked a little harder, I would have this thing done in no time. Instead of doing that, going, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to come back to this tomorrow. It's definitely helped to make things better and to make things higher quality And I would love to be able to do that, to do more of that, because it feels really good creatively to do that with even fewer limitations, because even that has still been within the confines of some sort of weekly schedule. And to just take that weekly schedule thing, which is a constraint no one but me placed on myself, just set it aside and then just see what happens is actually really exciting. So despite all my uh, fears and anxiety, that's actually kind of incredibly exciting. So that's what's happening. That is a very big shift to the end of a streak. Part of me, as silly as it sounds, was hoping to make it to 10 years without missing a single week, but I I don't think I have four years of that left in me, honestly. So uh, this is where we are at. Uh, If you have any thoughts on that or anything else we talked about today, definitely let me know. You can always go to HiMyNameIsTom.com and leave a voice message using the link right there, or you can just send an email or voice or video to tom at enthusiasmproject.com, and I'd love to include that in a future episode. We've got two more episodes this season, and then I'm doing something a little fun and different in between seasons, so I'll be telling you about that, uh, well, probably in the season finale, because <laughs> it wouldn't make sense to talk about it before then. And if you have any other AV help desk stuff, if you have more info for Drew, If you are Drew and you have an update for us, if you know about my camera lens or anything to do with boosters and roadcaster, second-gen roadcasters, all of that stuff, I'd love to hear from it. And as always, I really appreciate your listening. I really appreciate your kindness and support, and I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy, fun rest of your week, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 